Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? Once you start growing your business and getting to a certain level, you have an expectation of what's going to happen, how much you're going to make, how many clients you're going to get. And when you don't reach that, you can either sit and say, I failed, or I can look at it and say, what didn't work? My guest today is Suze Chadwick, who is a breath of fresh air in a world of sameness. She's genuine, fun, whip smart, and someone you can learn quite a lot from. Suze is a bold business and mindset coach and a really dynamic speaker. And she works with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them stand out in this kind of overcrowded, crazy world we're in these days. With over 15 years as a brand consultant working with global brands and solopreneurs, leadership teams and running businesses, Suze knows what works when it comes to creating a business and brand that truly stands out. Suze is also the author of Play Big, Brand Bold, host of the fabulous podcast Brand Builders Lab and the creator of Brand Builders Academy and the Amplify Accelerator. Suze is on a mission. She works with savvy business owners to shift the dial and create courageously bold brands that turn into successful and profitable businesses. She's a delight to be around and such an interesting woman to talk to, so savvy in the world of business and how to recreate the things that you're doing. So I can't wait for you to meet this wonderful woman. Suze Chadwick, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. You are an absolute powerhouse, so welcome to the show. Oh, wow. What a nice thing to say. Thanks, Michelle. I'm excited to be here. Let's get stuck straight in. If there's one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? For me right now, with a lot of the conversations that I'm having, I would like us to talk more about thriving through failure and really choosing to be bold in how we do that as well. Oh, what interesting topic. Thriving through failure. I've never had anything like that on the podcast before. So that's a fabulous uh, thing to chat about. I love it. But why is this so passionate for you, Suze? What What's happened? You know, what are you seeing? Why do you want to talk about this? Because I think that it's seen as something that's really bad. When we fail, we don't want to let anybody know because it's shameful and all of this. And I just think one of the things I talk to my community about is that I fail often. And the reason that I fail often is because I am always striving to take risks, be bold, try new things, test things out. And so I just don't think that, this is a belief I have, I don't think that you can grow a business today successfully and consistently without having a mindset where failure is part of the journey and it's not a bad thing. And I even, it's so funny, I was looking the other day on the thesaurus and I'm like, what are all the other words for failure? Maybe we could just get a better word. Yeah, it's just really interesting because I just say to my clients quite a lot, like it kind of comes from the Sarah Blakely story of her dad used to ask her and her brother, 
what have you failed at lately? And it was to really encourage them to constantly be trying new things. And it was something to be proud of because they had tried that. And that story's always really stuck with me. And I just think, you know, when my clients don't have the outcomes that they want or things didn't go the way that they want, I'm just like, yeah, but like now you've tested that and you've tried it and you've learned. And so what are you going to do now? And I think that the conversations that I'm really loving and the podcasts that I'm listening to and things like that, where it's like, so I tried this and it was, it didn't work. Um, and then I tried this other thing and it kind of worked. And so now I've come to the conclusion that I need to do this and this, and it's worked really well. And I love people who share those stories because at no point am I thinking, oh, you're not very good. I'm thinking, oh, like I need to think about maybe how I can learn from that and do what they're talking about or try something new and different. I'm really drawn to people who are bold and I talk about bold a lot, which is all about breaking the mold, doing things differently, taking risks. Uh, people think it's about being loud and colourful and it's not. It's about, I think it's a real mindset of how do we go against the grain and kind of be like, let's give this a go. And it's almost like a bit of a fun attitude as well. It's a bit of a, not a carefree, but it's like, let's just see what happens. And we're not attached to, oh my gosh, what if I do it and it doesn't work? But one of the things, it's fascinating because I literally was listening to a podcast on the on the plane on the way home. And I think it's called Squiggly is it called Squiggly Careers or Squiggly Life? And it's talking about how you're, it's two English ladies and uh, they're fascinating and they talk about how your career and life can take squiggly turns. It's a really interesting podcast. One of the things they talked about was having literally this in the failure side, but approaching every new project, idea, like product, whatever, as an experiment. And it was a really interesting notion for me. And she said, when she does that, there's no expectation of that fear of failure because you're like, well, it's an experiment. Let's just see where it goes. Let's see where, you know, whether we can make this work, whether it's a new product line, whether it's a new project we're going to go down or we'll learn from it if it's a complete flop and it doesn't work. And it was a beautiful nuance of something. And I thought, wow, that's such a good thing to think about every time you take something new on to think of it as an experiment, not as to your point. Or, you know, I'm too scared this is going to fail. What if it doesn't work? What if I'm embarrassed? What if everyone thinks I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm doing? So I think that's, uh, you know, it's exactly what you're just talking about there, which is, is fabulous. I just think I shared something on Instagram today, which is that momentum and money follows speed and some other things. But I just think that in a market, especially if you are in either the digital space or online, you know, online business world, the market is constantly changing. And so it's only through speed and trial and error that you can really start to shift what you're doing. You know, even the things that we were doing two years ago, a year ago, they, they're not really working as well now. And so when you are in this space, the market moves so fast that if you're somebody who's really fixated on how you do something, like this is how we do it, you know, and we don't really divert from that, I think that you can very quickly become a bit obsolete in the way that you do business. And so I just talk to my clients all the time about it. I'm just like, just try it, see what happens, speak to your clients, get some feedback. If you don't want to launch, then say that you, you know, you're going to take on five or 10 clients, like DM me, like just try different things. You know, 
one of the things that I share uh, that I've shared in masterclasses before is that when I started doing retreats, I was like, I've not done a retreat before. Let me give this a go. Let me see what happens. But I had just written a book and quite a few people had said to me, oh, how did you do that? And I just worked it out, to be honest. But I kind of had created a bit of a template for myself. Like I'm writing my second book now and I just go back to that template. But I just put a story out this is a couple of years ago now, put a story out on Instagram, a poll. And I said, if I was to run a writer's, like a book writer's retreat, would you be interested? And I had a whole lot of people that said yes on the poll. And then we just created a sales page and we DM'd all of them and we sold it out. Now, had I done that before? No. And now pretty much like that's how we sell a lot of our retreats. We don't really go to market and market it. And that was really just through let's give that a go. Let's see what happens. And if it works, awesome. We'll keep using it. But maybe the next retreat, maybe I'll have to think of something different. Yeah, maybe that won't work. And so if I try it again and it doesn't work, it's not that it failed. It's just that the market moved and now I have to come up with something new or different. Beautiful. And the great examples, I think, for people to sort of take on board and you can apply for lots of things. So can I ask you what has been your biggest failure to date, if you're happy to share? Yeah, I actually, you know something, I don't know that I've had the biggest failure. I think I've just had a lot of like different failures. It depends on what you see as a failure. So I'll give you some examples. When I very first started my business years ago, I didn't really have a big audience and I wanted to run a conference. And so I just thought at the time, if I was going to have a conference, I was looking around and I couldn't see the type of events that I wanted to go to. And so I just thought if I was going to have a conference, who would I want to speak? And Lisa Messenger was at the height of her, you know, collective magazine at the time. And so I thought if I can get Lisa, I'll run a conference. And so I just Googled her email. I found it. I gushed at her a bit. She said that she would do it. Like, you know, I don't pretend to be cool. I was like, I love you. You're amazing. Come and speak at my event. And so she did that. But, you know, I probably paid above and beyond for the whole event. So like the space, everything, I didn't budget for profit. I was in tears a lot. I said to my husband, you know, we we could lose like 20 grand on this because I took money out of the mortgage. (laughs) Yeah, all the rest of it. And so at the end of the day, the the event was a massive success and I built an incredible community from that, like from having her come but I didn't make a cent. So was that a success or was it a failure? What was my objective? Was it to build my community or make money? And so I think it's also about how you look at what's happened. And so I had a launch recently. It did not go. And it's really interesting. Once you start growing your business and getting to a certain level, you have an expectation of what's going to happen, how much you're going to make, how many clients you're going to get. And when you don't reach that, you can either sit and say, I failed Or I can look at it and say, what didn't work? And so for me, I've used a certain message. I've used it for the last four years. And now I see a lot of other people using it in the market. So the message has become diluted and I don't feel like maybe it's standing out as best it could. So now I go back to the drawing board and I say, I've got to evolve. Like we've got to change the message so that we can be unique and original We're going to change some other things up. And so did it make money? Yeah, it did. Do I have some amazing new clients? Absolutely. Did I hit my expectation? No, I didn't. Did I learn something in the process? Absolutely. So when we talk about what was the biggest failure or what 
what didn't work. I just think this is the conversation I want to have. There is no biggest failure. There is no like that was good or that was bad. There's so much that comes out of it that is like awesome and enlightening and kind of forces you to evolve. And then there's other stuff where you're like, damn, like that sucked. I didn't hit the goal that I had. So I just think that's sort of the conversation that I want to have more is that that's okay. And I think also to that whole premise of you can't always join the dots until you're looking back, you know, retrospectively. So at that point in time, you might go, okay, I didn't hit those goals out of the five things I wanted to do. I achieved two or three. So was it, you know, success or failure? It was probably a in between. But then you know, what that led to and what you learned from that experience, I guess, like down the track led to other things that then were hugely successful that you wouldn't have been able to do, you know, is my experience. Like if you hadn't have had that kind of framework that you'd sort of learned from that, you know, particular experience that someone else might have called, oh, well, you didn't get what you wanted or whatever. And that was a failure and you, you know, that was a huge bombed out or whatever. You lost, lost money or you didn't make the profit. But you kind of look at it, well, actually, yeah, I did that as an event, but it turned out to be an amazing marketing exercise. So if I look at it that way, it was hugely successful, you know, and I think then you can kind of, re- you know, reflect back and go, actually, these things, this all kind of leads to this sort of stuff. So it kind of comes to the point about momentum, don't you reckon? Like in your, your point about speed and money and stuff, you know, what it leads to. It's that as long as you are learning and continually evolving and changing, whether it's in business or in life, like you're going to do better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what we want to measure ourselves on. Like I think goals are a really interesting thing because you'll set a goal and the question is where did the goal come from? Like it was something that you just decided that that was what you wanted. Do you set goals? I do set goals and I love having goals, but I'm also really conscious that when I don't hit a goal, it doesn't mean anything. It just means I need to think differently about it. I think that sometimes when we don't hit our goals, you know, and I've had clients where I've had these conversations before where they're like, They did five of the things that they said that they wanted to do this month, but they had this one goal that they didn't meet and that's all they can think about. And so I think that sometimes we set these goals and we hold ourselves to them and then when we don't reach the arbitrary goal that we set ourselves, we failed. And then we kind of focus on that where it's kind of like, you know, something I set a goal, if I hit it, that would be amazing. If I don't, what did I learn in the process? And also let's think about how I set my goals. Like what didn't work that I thought was going to work is the question that I'm asking myself, not, oh crap, I didn't hit the goal. Like that's not the thought. The thought is I had an expectation based on what, based on what happened last time in a different market, based on, you know, stats, based on like finger in the air, pie in the sky. Like I wish, I hope that that's, so I just think it's Someone really, told me to have that someone, goal. Yeah, it's like, well, that's what <laughs> she's got. Yeah. So maybe that yeah, should exactly. be my goal as well. Like that's what she did. You know, I think that we need to be okay with failure or not hitting our goals, just being part and parcel of this amazing journey that we're on and constantly looking at, why didn't I reach my goal? Like, what was it that didn't quite hit the mark? What can I learn from it? And then something that I always love from Elizabeth Gilbert in Big Magic, she's like, are you going to be the martyr or the jokester? 
you know, and she's like, you can either bleed for your art where it's, oh my gosh, this is going to be so painful and so hard and woe is me. Or you can be the Bugs Bunny and the jokester where you're like, let's give that a go. Let's see what happens here. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, next. But, and I think that's kind of how I, my view of you in terms of how you approach stuff as well. You know, you're un, unapologetically you, you are so authentic in, you know, the way you engage with your clients and the audience and stuff. And it's beautiful, Suze. And I think that's what people are drawn to, you know, more than us trying to have a goal that someone else has done. And we think, oh, we need to sort of achieve that as well. It's actually... You know, and I think it's interesting because I was an ex-athlete, you know, I played high-level netball, went to the Institute of Sport, all that stuff. So I was used to having goals and I'm a very driven individual. But as I've learned later in life, uh, you know, and then the whole kind of zigzag of my career and things that I've done and my businesses is that actually goals and, you know, having kind of like a three-year, five-year plan, all those sort of things actually would have limited me more than what I was able to achieve. So it doesn't necessarily work for me. I have a vague idea of things that I want to do and I kind of go in that direction, but very open and probably a lot more present than I used to be and mindful of input along the way, if that's the way I can sort of describe it. You know, it's like, okay, well, someone, something else has happened and I've got this new information. Well, that's going to change this kind of stuff that I'm working on, but it's going to make it better or actually, no, it's going to make it worse, but good to know. You know, and I'm kind of reevaluating that continuously which means that I go in all these random wild crazy you know directions which my husband hates but <laughs> bless him but it, it means that actually I, I come out with the best outcome or you know and I have a better life and it's more fulfilled and you know I enjoy what I do more so I think you know I just want to say like it, goals work for some people goals don't work for everyone and that's okay as well yeah absolutely I think you've just got to know yourself Um, and know what works and I love what you just said because sometimes we set goals and sometimes those goals can be limiting because maybe you would have gone bigger maybe it would have been more successful maybe something else would have happened if you hadn't kind of gone for that so I think you've just got to decide what what works for you and how you work best and what inspires you but if your goals are making you feel like rubbish I think you've got to evaluate with like how you're setting your goals and whether goals are right for you as well or whether you can you're somebody that's more in instinctual with things mm, mm. and whether they're realistic to your point if they're you know they're killing you because you're uh, not even close to be able to get there but someone's told you you should be able to achieve that in a short amount of time but um so I mean your whole point was around thriving through failure so what are the sort of some you know ideas or tips or what do you kind of encourage people or what do you do to help you kind of thrive through that so you've given you know that whole context around looking at failure differently and repurposing that and really repositioning failure in people's minds which is just such a beautiful thing to take into your life literally instantly from today we can all do that but how do you thrive through failure you see the opportunity instead of the downfall yeah so even like on a recent coaching call I said to my clients like just know that you will feel sick like it will you'll feel awful in the process but how will you feel if you don't do it So, you know, I've just put out like a big event that's happening in November. I kind of gave events up. So I started my business in events and then I gave events up. 
because the kind of events that I like to run cost a lot of money. I want to like a feasting lunch and I want, you know, champagne events afterwards and in a beautiful space. Anyway, so I kind of got out of it and I thought, no, I really want to do an event. And so I did it. But I said to clients the other day, just know that I have felt physically sick before putting that out because you've always got the thought, what if I don't sell it out? What if I don't hit the mark? What if, what if, what if? But I think that from a thriving perspective, if I didn't do it, like for me, I'm just like, imagine if I sell it out, it's like a massive hit. I attract a whole new audience. It's going to be a massive transformational day for my clients. Like I would miss that if I didn't do this and it's something I really want to do. So I I just think you've got to like the whole thing of feel the fear and do it anyway, feel like about the nausea and just like, let's do it. Like if you really want to do it, let's do it. And it's those moments where you thrive. It's those moments where you shine, where you are fully in everything that you are wanting to bring to the world and bring to your clients and bring to whatever it is that you want to do. But if you don't feel it and move forward with it and be okay that I've got to take the risk and be bold here, yeah, then I don't get to thrive to the fullness that I really want to. And so... You've just got to allow it to become part of how you do business because you can't thrive unless you do. One of the things that sort of keeps coming up when you're talking for me um, is around that sort of premise of imposter syndrome. Do you think that kind of fits into this a little bit of I'm scared I'm going to fail, I'm scared I'm not good enough, I you know don't think I can try this out? Like how does that kind of sit in this for you? I think that imposter syndrome is a really interesting one. I've been thinking about it a lot more lately. So in in my mastermind at Amplify, a lot of my clients come in and they might be, say, creatives. They've done the work and that's what they get paid for. And now we talk about getting paid for what you think instead of what you do. And so they're shifting more into that coaching thought leadership speaker space. And we were talking about identity shifts. And I think this is where imposter syndrome comes in, is that a lot of times we hold a higher vision for ourselves than where we are right now. And so it's natural for us to feel like we're not there yet. But I almost want to say to people, if you can take it out of your vocab, then do it. Because just know that you're just in a space of shifting your identity. You're not an imposter. You just haven't actually reached that higher vision for yourself that you've got but you're on the journey to it. And so somebody who's on a journey, I don't think they're an imposter. I just think that that's that's part of what it takes to get there, yeah? So you're in learning, you're in evolution mode. And so you've just got to start to work on how you see yourself at that level that you want to be at. Um, But I do think that it kind of takes, like we've just talked about, being okay with kind of learning along the way and getting it wrong and not having the right message and figuring it out because you are shifting that identity and kind of moving to a different space or a different capacity in the way that you work too. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of imposter syndrome. I totally get it. I know that people feel it, but I kind of see it as just an opportunity for you to shift your identity into who you really want to become. 
Beautiful. I love that. I think that's a uh, wonderful spot to finish on, Suze. It's been just fabulous to chat to you. Before we go, though, I do want to ask you one question, <laughs> one other question. <laughs> Were you like previously a, um, not, not a creative writer, I guess you're a writer or, or a copywriter or something? Is that what you've done in a former life? Because I listen to your podcast and you have all these wonderful words that you just make up. And uh, <laughs> my favorite one I was like, oh, that is brilliant. Because I like I use the term faffing all the time and people go, what do you mean faffing? I'm like, what? haven't you heard that word? <laughs> and I, I remember having a boss when I worked for a big travel company and he was very, you know, ex-accountant, very serious. And I used to have all these different words for things all the time. So he said to me, oh my God, your vocab, you just make shit up. And I'm like, yeah, well, I find it. Like a favorite word is a doofer. If I can't find something, I'm like, oh, you know, the doofer. <laughs> like, <it's so> <laughs> the doofer, what's it? But, yeah, and I'd never heard of procrastinating, so I just wanted to finish on that to say I love that and um, keep making words up because it just <laughs> lit my soul when you said that. I was like, yes, that's such a good word. <laughs> you can use it anytime. I'll hijack that. Uh, what a delight to chat to you, Suze, and uh, hopefully I'll get to see you in real life sometime soon when our paths cross, when Melbourne or Sydney, but uh, or Palmy, when you come up and visit. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a good chat. Oh, divine. Okay, we'll go off. I'll stop procrastinating and uh, I'll get on with my day. <laughs> See you. Bye. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com.